Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to agencygo.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale Your Agency. I'm on with Brian Swords of SoupSync, which is short for Super Synchronous. He's got an amazing company, and it's it's a really unique company because it's essentially a modern-day guild of developers that will work on different projects as a ops dev, get deployed into businesses, a lot of digital marketing agencies. This is why I wanted to get them on the show, and essentially do what I do for my own digital marketing agency, which is build technical solutions to problems around scaling my business. And Brian, thank you so much for being on the show to share what it is you do with people and how you help agencies build better businesses. Thank you. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm a huge fan of how you've built uh, a community to start and the way in which you're designing your tools with you know, Bubble and other no-code tools that we've seen really proficient developers use to build processes at a speed I've never seen before. And I've been a founder in multiple startups. So uh, we used to be the fastest. Full stack development used to be the way to go. Now it's these yeah. amazing tools. I am definitely going to ask you that later in the interview because I'm so curious about your inter- your uh, perspective on that. Um, one thing the audience should also note is that Brian has been developing since the age of eight it doesn't look like you're eight right now. So I'm assuming that it's been a while. It's been a little while. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> so, you know, he's been doing this for a long time. So the, the insight that he's going to share with you guys on this show is really, really powerful. So Brian, tell me a little bit about what an ops dev does and like why, let's say an agency who maybe is making over $50,000 per month or maybe even less potentially, but let's say, let's use that as our target above because I want to see you know, when you're thinking through expenses, people who have over $50,000 per month in revenue might be able to spend more money on something like this. So let's assume that's the case. What would their purpose of working with you be and why? Yeah, I think so. One of the first things to talk about here is, you know, developers are expensive, right? But they're expensive because they do two things very, very well. Number one is they have the highest rate of learning in terms of roles that you can bring on to a team that I've seen other than like early employees. So it's just driven by an intense curiosity. And I think the main thing that when we first started out, people were like, you're gonna embed developers inside of companies. That sounds like a disaster. Aren't developers computer people? And then there are people people. Don't you need people people to interpret people for engineers? Yeah. And as a product leader myself, that didn't really land because you know right. if you're in an early stage product company, engineers, designers, product people, or salespeople, they're all working incredibly closely to yeah. solve things. And the more that the developers have actual contact with the people that they're trying to design for and help, the more powerful they are. But now I feel like I can actually articulate why it works. And interestingly enough, it worked first with digital agencies. Right. Now, I've founded a few digital agencies myself, a film company. I've worked in uh, digital agencies, as I shared when we were just getting to know each other. I ran partnerships for digital agencies, scaled to 50 partnerships in six months. 
you know, like the digital agency world and the matrix organization, especially once you crack that 50K per month and go higher, is something that I'm very familiar with. So what it comes down to is understanding this environment where there's so much uh, operational complexity, so much is really being done, even at the client level through relationships. How yeah. do you design for scalability and what is it that an engineer is actually going to do? And I think there's three things actually that ops devs do that are unique to ops devs when compared with other types of developers. This is actually a profile that we cultivate for. So number one is they're deeply curious. It turns out that what makes you really great with technology and really great with people, there is a shared attribute and it's curiosity. So the first thing that we do with ops developers is actually the opposite of what most ops or strategy management consultant types would do. So what would a management consultant do if they were dropping into an agency, right? They'd say, okay, well, what are your top initiatives? Where's the low hanging fruit in terms of effort? Boom, we found the quadrant, low hanging effort, you know, solid impact on the organization. But I promise you, if you do that exercise and you put a dot on it, that dot will be a person. And when you go talk to them, they'll go, oh no, you can't change that system. I just finally <laughs> got two other people using it and I'm constantly overwhelmed. I don't even have time to talk to you about it. Yeah. So there's this wild thing that happens if you're going beyond, you know, if, if you want to build an agency that is larger than yourself, there's this yeah. wild thing that happens that when you start, you've got this small team. And mm -hmm. so basically each team or each practice is a person. And that person is like your subject matter expert. All right, well, now we want to scale. We want to double. We want to triple in revenue. So are we going to double or triple our team? Well, if you take that approach, what you end up with is whoever that subject matter expert is, is just going to carve off whatever's easiest. So yeah. if you've got someone designing programmatic advertising, for example, they might say something like, look, I just need a designer who can chop up these ads and place them for me on Facebook so that I don't have to do that anymore or whatever it might be. So you scale, but you essentially scale out little spikes and you still haven't actually solved for scalability. Right. Another way of looking at this, if you want to sort of like peek over the shoulder of these subject matter experts, what is it that they are doing that's not scalable? What would an ops dev do differently? It all comes down to this, and you've heard yeah. it before, sheets. It's all about yeah. spreadsheets. Yeah. When you have a subject matter expert, they design spreadsheets that allow them to make decisions quickly, and they know where all the information goes. They know what tabs they're not using anymore. They know where to co-pool the data. And now what I want to do is I want to take that person and I want to make it possible for two people to run a process on that sheet, and suddenly everything breaks down. <laughs> what an ops developer is going to do, and as a developer yourself, I know you can appreciate this, is yeah. they're going to apply computational thinking. They're mm -hmm. going to look at that sheet and they're going to think about how to turn it into a relational database because right. relational databases are scalable models yes. and sheets are not. <laughs> and yeah. you want the users to still feel completely in control of the process. Right. There's actually a ton of intelligence in that sheet. I'm not one of these SaaS founders who's like, throw that sheet out and put our tool in. That's a yeah. bad idea. You'll <laughs> end up with a SaaS tool and a sheet, right? Yeah. Yeah. What I think companies should be doing is building out their business operations on tools like Coda, which is what we've seen digital agencies prefer because it's just so powerful, or Notion, which is the more popular tool we see a lot of people building on. And some people build on Airtable if they already understand that sort of relational database piece. So there's these amazing tools you can do to design your systems and still have sheets that you know are quick and easy or individual to someone's personal workflow as they're figuring things out and prototyping what they need to do 
but converting that into a system that other people can get onboarded to, that other people can participate in, and more importantly, that when they click something, when they take an action, they only have to do it once. They're not yeah. copying and pasting it from here into there, into there, and then dropping into a Slack message or whatever that workflow might look like. For everyone listening to the show, I am not, I'm not getting paid by Brian. I'm not getting paid by Notion. I'm not getting paid by Coda for having him on the show. I'm having him on the show because I think that every agency needs to have, either they're going to teach themselves how to do this role or they need to get someone that can do this. Now, when they try to get someone who can do it, a lot of times, just to be real, if you're not a technical person, you don't even know if that person's good. So I do think working with someone like Brian makes a lot of sense, mainly because you have to figure this out. For our own agency, when we have hit, you know, like our, our one of our biggest months was doing $190,000 per month in sales was, was like our, our big month. And, and last year we had $1.72 million in sales. And um, the thing is that, when we've done all this, a large and very, very large contributing factor to the reason we've been able to do it and, and have myself be essentially automated out of the majority of the business is because I build a lot of flows, whether it's in Zapier or using Bubble or using other automation tools, even custom tools that allow everything to happen without my involvement. I mean, the amount of hours that are saved by having these flows, these automations, these notifications go out that I had to actually build into the app saves me so much time and keeps everyone so much more efficient. And so an example of what you're talking about when things break actually happened recently where we had all of our Calendly flows pointed to our Slack channel and they're all running through Zapier. And the thing is, a lot of those were conditional based on many different filters that would only send a notification to a certain Slack channel if certain parameters were met. And our team, our marketing department, wanted to change the actual flows because I wanted to change the actual Calendly links and the events. And I was like, yo, hold up. We can't do that because if you change that, it's going to change all the notifications that are happening. And so we need to be a little more coordinated on this. So we spent the time to actually reroute everything and it worked. But if you didn't have that, you would A, lose a lot of notifications because let's say someone set it up six months ago and then you don't know how to reset them up and it takes you like 20, 30 hours to figure it out. You know, these are the kind of things that can damage your organization. So one thing that I'm curious about, talk a little bit more about the difference between Coda and Notion. Because if I'm being real, I've never heard of Coda, but I've heard a lot about Notion. And I think a lot of the people listening to the show have. So what is Coda? Why should somebody use it? How is it better than Notion? If you could explain that a little bit more, that'd be helpful. Yeah, so you know we're we're definitely fans here of both Notion and Coda. That's the advantage of being a guild. We have the best Coda developers in the world under our Coda pod, and our Notion team is some of the earliest ambassadors with Notion. Um, so to your earlier point, we provide psychological safety for your team. Someone who's an absolute pro is going to come in and help you design things. Now we get to that key question: How do you choose to design what you're going to design on? And I'm going to be real with you. I think for most organizations, they just pick the tool that they're most comfortable with and they go with it. And most of the time, that's Notion. So if you haven't really thought deeply about how to design scalable ops, Notion is probably where you're going to be for a really easy reason. Notion has a really low floor. When people start on Notion, it's very accessible. It's very easy to understand. But the ceiling is also lower. 
what do I mean about the ceiling? Well, we talked about a great example that you just gave. You know, if I'm running Calendly through Zapier and then I'm piping that into a couple other products and I'm doing that with eight, 10, 12 team members, and then I need to make a change to my process, that can be a little challenging. It can take time. I just replatformed my whole team. It took me two months to replatform from one scale <laughs> scheduling tool to the other just because of all of the little things that change as you go, right? But what if we're talking about 20, 40, or 60? Or what if we're talking about you have a vision to get to that level and you want to start making the design choices now that are going to set you up for that? Well, in our opinion, that's Coda. And there's two things about Coda that are incredibly powerful from a developer perspective. Number one, Coda is actually a Turing complete formula language. It's a blend of Excel formulas and TypeScript. What does that mean? It means a coder can get in there and build in two minutes, but would take you 20 hours to build in Notion. So the speed of being able to design and build automations within Coda is really incredible. The other reason is that Notion was never really intended to be designed to run business process automations. Now they're making a lot of changes, but basically there's ways in which you design docs with views. And you can really only stack a couple of times in running views out of Notion to sort of figure out which data do I need to get to run which automation and then pump back out to another system. The views approach with Notion runs out of scale very quickly. Once right. you really start getting to thousands of rows, once you start getting to a complexity, a level of complexity in your process, the Notion just begins to really slow down. Now we know that Notion has just come out with a conference saying that they're going to go for the enterprise performance is on their agenda and they're going to go after this. And you know, the Notion product team is one of the very best in the world. So it's not so much that I don't think Notion is going to take this problem on. It's just that we think Coda has a massive head start. So I really hope that the head of product, which I know they're not, but maybe it'll get to them. Uh, the head of product at Notion can hear what I'm about to say, because I think other agency owners might be sharing the same view, which is that I have been attempted to get onboarded to Notion a couple of different times by either self sign up or someone referred me to Notion. And I still have stuck with Google Drive. Like every time I've stuck with Google Docs and not transitioned to Notion, because for some reason, I just never got hit with that aha moment as to why it's better to use Notion than something else. So why should an agency use Notion? Because as you said, it's either Notion or then moving to Coda. I'm assuming they're, you know, they're they're kind of like twins at the moment. But what is the advantage of using that as opposed to like the Google Drive or Google Suite? What what key advantages or differences? Or am I <laughs> am I drawing a false comparison here? Are they even? Uh, not at all. Look, before Coda and Notion for me, I was building app scripts in Google Docs and Google Sheets. In fact, I built. Uh, a chatbot AI that would give real-time guidance to people as they were writing docs in Google Docs. And I can tell you that it is incredibly brittle and very painful to build that kind of automation orchestration functionality or adaptive responsive kind of app-like behavior. Yeah. And all of that might sound like keyword garble. So let me break well, it, it down like for you. Well, it sounds like developer speak for right? any, the owner with yeah. the application. You know? so, from, so from an agency perspective, on Google Sheets, you can hire an app script developer to enable you to do things like, let's say you have a product list of 100 products and you just wanna make it that people can select a product from a dropdown and it's gonna populate the price or 
uh, the dimensions or the asset steps that you need to go through or the licensing, for example, we just did a, an asset licensing managing process in Google Sheets, but all of that's going to be custom and it's going to be very specific to whoever the builder is. If you build that same process in Coda, it's going to follow that formula language, which means two things. Number one, you can actually hire an internal person in Coda in this example to maintain this for you, and they can actually learn how it works and modify it. That is a huge lever for you long-term, and it's actually part of our business model. We help agencies source and place and train an internal person because that kind of embeddedness is so key. But the second piece is Google Sheets just really wasn't made to be the center of a business operating system, and Coda and Notion are. On Coda, I can drop a button in and run an automation out of Gmail, Slack, you name it. Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to agencygo.io forward slash leads to get your free lead scripts today. That's agencygo.io forward slash leads. Now back to the show. I'll tell anyone who's listening, go to the show notes. Brian will have a walkthrough of Coda. I will definitely be watching that because I think it's super interesting. So let me just summarize this a little bit. It sounds like what Coda allows you to do is what Go High Level is kind of like promising agency owners right now, which is to basically turn your agency into a SaaS company. That's like the big trend right now. Everyone's talking about it. They're like, how can I become more like a SaaS business, make SaaS margins, et cetera. Uh, is that incorrect to assume that that's like from a brand perspective, what it kind of is doing? Like you can operate more like an app, things are more automated and you can create an experience that gives, maybe even makes your margins higher when working with companies because everything's more efficient and, and productized. Is that correct? Or is that not the way to look at it? I, I think that's a great way to look at it. So the way to think about this is, your organization has special intelligence in terms of the way in which your people deliver value. And we're now at the level where products can be built based on your processes. So the big mental flip here is that when people go look for a tool, they try to find the tool that's the best for their use case. But imagine if it was the opposite. Imagine if you could build a tool for any use case. And that's really what Coda and Notion make possible. We know for a fact that agencies that are acquired are getting higher valuations when they have this kind of productization of their services at the heart of it, because of course, those acquiring them see it as a value. And I think for CEOs, just to be pragmatic for a second, for most of them, it really adds up to two things. Once your agency grows to a certain size, you just lose visibility. Other than a few you know, quarterly reports, you don't really know where you stand. And more right. importantly, you don't really know where the friction is in your organization, right. that if you could remove it, you would unlock your, your team. 
And uh, what was surprising about that for me is when I followed that rabbit hole all the way to the bottom, it turned out that was true for every person. Human memory is context dependent. If you ask somebody, what do you do every day? They're going to forget almost all of it. And so that's why it's so important that that developer and that person work together. So in a very real sense, what we are doing is business process discovery, mm -hmm. converting it into a product, and that yeah. the, the net effect of that product, as I'm sure you've seen in building your own tool, is you suddenly have way more visibility into far more strategic things. And you can yes. ask new questions. The misconception of ops is that we save you time and money. That's table stakes. If we build you anything, it will save you time and money. Right. What you really get in return is your team has time to think. Their cognitive load goes down because they're not constantly mm. in that hamster wheel of manual work and they can see connections that weren't obvious before. Yes, and you know one thing that uh, I also would, would add in there is, I think it also adds enterprise value to something that has historically been considered to have a low enterprise value, which is agencies. Because agencies typically trade at about one times revenue. Um, sometimes you get higher valuations once you break $10 million in revenue, but you're usually aiming around a million dollars for a million dollars in revenues what you could sell your agency for now i think something like this increases that enterprise value which is interesting i mean i was just listening to this podcast the other day and they were saying that the market size of you know the internet is expected to grow a minimum 10 times more over the next i think it was 30 years i believe 30 50 yeah. years so it's an Easily. enormous amount of yeah enormous amount of enterprise value and if you mess in these things now or learn it yourself because like you said you're training people to do it either learn it yourself or find someone like Brian's guild. But at the end of the day, you're missing out on an enormous opportunity that's right beneath your feet. Now, I'll segue this into some, I think what, what will be our last sort of point or topic here. I'm letting this one run long because it's such a good combo. You know, the, the whole debate, maybe you can help settle it or provide some color over it, but around bubble.io, which is definitely by far and away, the most used no-code tool, I would say, most popular, and I would even argue probably most complex because you have other ones like Webflow that are trying to do the same thing. But to be honest, Webflow is basically, in my opinion, a no-code version of uh, and more advanced version of like WordPress, but it's not sure. the same thing. You know, they try to build it as the same thing, but it's completely different in my opinion. But let's tell this debate because there's a lot of people in the community. There's a lot of people who listen to the show who are thinking about launching their own apps. And a lot of them are trying to bootstrap and a lot of them are trying not to raise money and a lot of the people who are raising money are second guessing themselves and saying, did I need to go raise money to build an app when I could have just done it myself or hired someone? Where does Bubble.io fit from your perspective? Because you have that full stack custom developer background and currently still are. Where does it fit in the ecosystem of things? And do you think it's all smoke and mirrors? I'm going to try to be as objective as possible here because obviously I built my app on Bubble, but I want to hear from you. Do you think it's smoke and mirrors? Do you think it's something that's like, eventually gonna fade away or do you think it's gonna not be able to keep up at scale with custom development like where do you think that whole you know it lands within the ecosystem of building apps for your agency or or otherwise i think it is absolutely destructively transformative i think it's a crater in the internet i'm a SaaS founder i've built products with SaaS. minimum 18 months to build anything with a full stack development team that's actually deployable and scalable in any form and scalability is uh, such a popular word, but there is actually a science to it. And the first rule of scalability is do things that don't scale. There is an article 
uh, by Paul Graham, the founder of Y Combinator, the most successful accelerator of startup products of all time. And yeah. the first thing that he says to everyone is do things that don't scale. And, and I won't revisit that article, but here's what I will say. Bubble is taking over the world. Um, <laughs> I'm an on-deck fellow. It unarguably the number of bubble devs being minted in a month compared to every other platform is at least an order of magnitude, if not two. When you talk about just the sheer raw talent that is flocking to bubble because they want to build apps, because they want to bring ideas to life, that's their motivation, by the way. What I've learned about each tool is it attracts people with a specific kind of motivation. Webflow attracts people who love aesthetics, who love marketing, who love to design something that you know brings somebody in. Bubble is all about bringing ideas to life. So here's yeah. the cool thing from an agency perspective is almost every agency has met the customer who says, could you build us an app or help us build an app? There's this level at which when companies wish to be innovative, the first thing they think of is an app because that's what we're carrying around in our phones and that's what feels innovative. Yeah. Bubble is a fast pass to that. And what I want your agency owners to understand is you can win with this tool because it's not supplemental. You know right. that if they decide to solve a business problem or a marketing problem with an app, what else are they going to need? They're right. going to need marketing. They're going to need workflows. They're going to need to build out how they're going to make that app part of their larger play, whether it's an NFT spin up, if it's a retailer or whatever it might be. <laughs> so uh, the bottom line is adding bubble competency to your team. It makes a ton of sense. That's one of the teams that we're actually building now. We're a bubble agency. We're just kind of in stuff. Really? So I guess I just All announced right. that we have a bubble team uh, on this podcast. Yeah, and I have, you know. <laughs> I, I basically have, you know, six of some of the most talented bubble developers I've ever seen. I'm absolutely convinced that this All is right. going to be a big deal. What I want to close with, though, especially for agencies is, you know, I'm on the front line. I'm seeing hundreds or thousands of new no code apps being launched every quarter, because if you're a no code developer, the first thing you build is a no code app. It seems yeah. like these days. <laughs> and what I want to say is, yeah, there's lots of clever apps out there. But in the end, as an agency, you know, owner, and I'm thinking in the same way, you have to pick your bets. Yep. What are going to be the platforms that you really invest in, that you build all of those internal structures around? And from my perspective, Bubble, Webflow, Coda, Notion are in a protected space. The adoption is just so large and the usefulness of the product is advanced to such a degree that I think we're going to see, in my view, SaaS suddenly find that it is running out of customers because yes. so many of them can just get the perfect tool for whatever the thing they need is on demand faster than it takes a SaaS company to launch. That is so true. And I think, you know, I really think that I have a prediction. I always tell uh, my friends in, in the entrepreneurship space, I tell them and it might end up being wrong, but I think that Bubble will be the most valuable company in the next five years in the world. I think it will because imagine if aws was not only just like hosting and running the servers and everything but if there was a common language that everyone was using to also run all the applications i mean imagine if the top 100 new startups that were launched and growing and be reaching unicorn status 50 percent of them were run on the same business platform <clears throat> and they were all using a common language to fix problems because that's the thing that when you go on stack overflow or you go on these other sites that's the issue is like Yes, there are languages, but when you talk about like deploying your app, 
when you talk about all the idiosyncrasies that come with it, the long tail of like specific things you need help with, you can solve them. But you might have like 17 different ways to solve a problem. With Bubble, you can do that. There are different ways. But at the end of the day, when there's an issue you have, it's going to probably be solved from that forum because it's all utilizing the same framework and everyone's working out the same thing. And that's, I think, the power of it. And they're all running from the same deployment space and everything. So what I'm excited about is I think that's going to happen. And I think that ultimately it's going to bring down, like you were saying, it's going to bring down SaaS valuations pretty tremendously because people are going to realize that the cost of building a SaaS product is not going to be that big of a moat anymore. Because part of the reason you build SaaS products and why they have such a big valuation is because the moat is so hard to overcome. It's so difficult to go, like you said, build an app. It takes like 16 months to deploy something, costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. If that's no longer the case, it's not that difficult to compete with somebody else other than economies of scale and like network effects and things like that, which will be what everything else starts to veer towards, which is like building the biggest community, having the best network effects. That's what people are going to care more about than necessarily like technological complexity. Of course, there will be obviously projects, I think, that will end up being fully IP based, but it'll just become so much easier to get launched in the SaaS space. So I love your... Um, your take on that. It's definitely one that I certainly agree with. And it gives me a lot of confidence because I'm always doubting myself. People on the internet are like, no code isn't code. But I think, you know, it's like we've always been moving up to higher levels of, of abstraction with development. It's like, it's not like this is, and, and look at Copilot, like with uh, GitHub. I think it's mm. Go, yeah, Copilot AI. Yeah. I mean, there's literally billions of dollars being put in by these top companies to remove the need for developers to spend so much time coding and being more intuitive about how they're building their applications. And that is a movement that's probably not gonna slow down anytime soon. Yeah, I think, you know, let's nerd out and be techies for a second here. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for your agency owners listening, like I, I want to impress upon you how significant this is because your team's productivity and creativity is no better than 10 years ago. Really, in the end, yeah. and you already know it. You already know that your team isn't really that much more productive than they were 10 years ago. And yet, I'm here to tell you, technology's ability to solve business problems has leapt forward at least 10x. It is literally faster and easier to solve almost any business problem that you need to design for with technology with these tools at at least 10x faster speed. So why aren't we seeing that productivity show up? Yeah. And the answer is, from my perspective, is that this kind of transformation isn't actually a technical one. So I, I want to, you know, from an, you know, to, to your audience, what I really want to convey to you, founder to founder, CEO to CEO is tool politics is a waste of your time. And mm -hmm. it is consuming a ton of your team's time. Things like we really need fewer tools. Did you know that the average company, the average team uses over 200 tools today? <laughs> but I can tell you 10 years ago, they were saying we use too many tools and that was 80. And tomorrow it's gonna be like 500 and it's gonna be yeah. too many tools. It's not about too many tools. It's about does your team have the ability to design their work? And that's yeah. what I think the framework change here is. There are tools, you know, Salesforce is probably going to continue to be this, the SaaS platform that sales teams use. 
we're not trying to supplant team-based SaaS tools. What we're yeah. saying is your team doesn't live in those tools. Those are just interfaces to your database. Where right. your team lives in is getting the job done and designing tools that make getting the job done easier in a way that makes intuitive sense to the team because it's designed based on how they think about the work, that's where you start getting the velocity. That's an amazing note to end on um, because I've done over 107 interviews since uh, I launched this in July of 2021. This is definitely in the top 10. So thank you so much for being oh. on the show. Brian, where can people reach out to you? Where can they find you? to work with you and your guild. I mean, I think the fact that you guys are offering bubble is a game changer because I already know I'm gonna be able to send a lot of business your way. So how can they uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can check us out at SoupSync, S-U-P-S-Y-N-C.com. Uh, also on Twitter, SoupSync, and I'm Brian Sowards, just like towards S-O-W-A-R-D-S, Brian with an I on Twitter. Definitely love connecting with people on Twitter if you have questions. If you have thoughts based on this, put it out there in public. We're building in public. We're sharing everything. And just to reassure all of your agency listeners who maybe aren't you know, a, a, a team of 12 or greater, we're open sourcing everything that we learn. So as we design and build systems for agencies, we turn those into templates and we open source them. So if you follow us on you know, SoupSync on Twitter, you'll see those when they drop. This is an amazing, amazing interview. Um, Hang on for a sec after we wrap up here. I want to talk to you more about uh, some partnership opportunities. And everyone who's listening, this has been an amazing in-depth experience for me, uh, learning about all the new ways people are operationalizing agencies. And again, I will wrap up with this point. If you are not able to do this yourself, you should find someone like Brian to help you because the efficiency gains are crazy. The only reason I was able to get my company to do $1.7 million in revenue, and then basically peace out for six months was because I, and, and build my app, was because I, I had all these automated systems. So if you don't, you're losing out on an enormous opportunity to basically have a large business and also be financially free. So that's uh, the note I'll end on. But thank you so much for Brian for being on the show. It's been fantastic having you on. Yeah, man, I would say the same thing to agency owners. Don't wait until you get acquired to go surfing, man. Like you can have some fun now. Set oh, your yeah. team up to run shit without you. Yeah, I, I, I think that's literally four hours a week on my agency now. I mean, the Amazing. rest is all development. And it's because it's like I can literally do whatever I want. And, and that's the position everyone needs to be in. It's an amazing age we live in. And to not capitalize on that opportunity is a huge mistake. And so... Anyways, it's been great having you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good hanging out. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of How to Scale an Agency. Till next time.